So being as it's uh, next Thursday night, like Boimer, so I thought we'd talk a little bit about like Boimer. Now, the Ma'as, as far as the halacha goes, we don't find very much about like Boimer at all. In fact, in the Shas, I don't think it's brought even once. The only thing we find in the halacha is the difference of opinion that we spoke about last time, and that is the restrictions of sphere, how long do they last? The shit of the Shulchan Aruch is that the restrictions of Sphira last until the Lamedalid Boimer, which is the day after Lag Boimer. And the Ramah disagrees, and the Ramah is Mekil, and he says we can say Mixusidim Kukula, a part of the day is like the whole day, and therefore he holds that the restrictions of the Omer are only until Lag Boimer. And therefore it's allowed in Lag Boimer already to have a haircut and to listen to music, but the Ramah says it's only for the day of Lag Boimer. There's a principle that part of the day is already considered the whole day. It doesn't include the night. And therefore, a person has to start the day still maintaining the restrictions of the sphere. And then once a person's already begun the day, he can now end the day, so to speak, uh, make, allow himself to have weddings or music, whatever it's going to be. So no music at the bonfire. So to this, both the Ramah and the Shulchan Aruch agree that the night of Lag Boimer was not allowed to have music. Um... Just as an aside, even for people in the Sfari, we hold the Shulchan Aruch's uh, Psaq, this year, being as Lamedal is on Shabbos, that would also allow people to have a haircut, whatever is before Shabbos, because the rule, the rule always is that if the restrictions end on Shabbos, so you don't want everyone to come into Shabbos looking uncamped for any of the haircuts on Sunday, so therefore we'll allow it on Arab Shabbos if everyone will be allowed to have haircuts this year. But the Minag, that there is to celebrate Lag Boimer and even to especially the music at night. So we don't find a makar for that so much in the Shulchan Aruch. Now, before we come to where the makar for that is, we can ask a second question. And that is, it looks a little bit paradoxical. The first half of the Omer, we're in some stage of mini-mourning. We have imposed the rules of Avelus of not taking haircuts other than to music. Why? Because of the deaths of the students of Rabbi Akiva. And then comes like Boimer, which is the yard site of Rav Shem And now we're celebrating. Uh, what's the difference? Okay. If until now, that's the yard site of Rav okay. So it's a bit of a stir. Right? Is death something we celebrate, the yard site, or is it something that we hear more on the yard site? Why, when it comes to like Boimer, is it, uh, does it become a celebration? Let's look in the halacha again. We have a simon shulchan aruch, simon tov kuf pei, and that is days that yechidim should fast. And three of the days that it's meritorious for a person who wants to look for a days where there's a reason to fast should fast. The one is Rosh Chodesh Av, because of the yard of Arnakoy. Rosh Chodesh Nisan, because it's the yard of Nadav Aviu. Zayin Adar, because it's the yard of Moshe Rabbeinu. So we see that the way that we looked at the yard side was a day to fast. We're talking about the Tzadik Yoyla, Moshe, Aaron, Aaron's sons. And the way we, what we do in a yard site, there's a similar Shulchan Aruch, that the way one deals with the yard site is by fasting. It's even a Chiddush, because normally the rule is you're not allowed to fast on Rosh Chodesh. And here we have two Rosh Chodeshes, Rosh Chodesh Adar, I mean sorry, Rosh Chodesh Av and Rosh Chodesh Nisan. And both we, we're allowed to fast because it's a yard site of a Tzadik. If that's the case, it just makes the question stronger. If the way we relate to a yard site is by fasting, so what, what, what happens when we come to Lagba Omer 
That becomes a day to celebrate. Now, that's our second question. Really, the celebration of Miran isn't such a new thing. It's really brought down the Sefer Shivchei Ariza about what the Ari did, that he used to go to Miran with his Talmudim to celebrate, unlike Bohemir. Unless you think that's because the Ari lived locally, he was in Tzvah, which was next door, right? It's brought down that even when Ariza still lived in Mitzrayim, he used to travel to Miran for like Bohemir. So that's a significant journey, and especially in the conditions of travel from then. Right? So there was obviously he saw significance in it. And if that's the case, if it's become something which has become popular in the world, like a lot of things which the results, minhogim or customs, found fertile soil, so to speak, whether it was by the Hasidim afterwards or by the Sfarim, the various people accepted him as as giving direction what to do, so we understand that they followed in his footsteps. What's the reason for it? What's the reason for it? Why does it uh, why does it take a, a way to celebrate um, specifically like Bo'ema by by making a mini yamtif out of what's what should be a yata? So what does the Zara itself say? Uh, the, the Zara itself says and almost famous like Bo'ema, all of his kanshu behidura devayachai. That Rav Shimon himself, before he died, said he wants people to come and celebrate on the day that he died. Is that the Makar that he died on that? Right, so he doesn't know any Makar why, where, where it says that Lag Boyman that Shimon died. It must be a tradition of some sort, but because it doesn't say the dates in the Zara, it just says that on the day that he died, he said people should come and celebrate on that day. But again, if we have the Rizal who already we have. He, he kept it, so obviously he had information which we can trust. But once again, what's the idea? What's the idea of celebrating? There is a much more machma than that. There is a right that uh, when he was there with his Talmudim, so one of them said, Tachanun. And Abshimah came to him in a dream and said, Why is this person disturbing my yantuf by saying Tachanun? Which is why, again, even though it's, there's no Mukar for this in Shulchan Aruch, but it's become the Minag and the whole class shall not to say Tachanun. On Lagbo Emir either. Okay, so what's the significance of the day Dafka when Rav Shimon Yechai died? So, really, I want to answer, give two different answers. They're both true. Just one is something which speaks more, let's say, to, to us as Neitera. It's one one perspective on the death of Rav Shimon Yechai. And afterwards, maybe for people who have a little bit of an inclination towards Nista, we'll give another, another explanation of what was unique. About the day that Rishon Yechai died. So first, let's start with the more, let's say Yeshivish, if you want to call it that, Mahalach. We look at an interesting thing, and that is, we think of Rishon Yechai as being unique because he was author of the Zayah. It's a different chelik of Torah if we want to call it that. How was Rishon considered by his contemporaries? by the other tzaddikim who lived in this time. So let's look at two different perspectives. The first one, the Mishnah in Shabbos. I was aware of it. The Mishnah in Shabbos says that we mafsikim Talmud Torah for Kriyashma, we aim mafsikim the Tefillah. Mishnah David Dalit, we can interrupt Torah learning to say Shema because that's a Doraisa, but we don't interrupt Torah learning in order to daven. Tefillah, at least, Dabbling at specific times during the day is only midrabbanim. 
Talmud Torah is Daraisa, and therefore if a person is engrossed in his learning, he's in the middle of a sugya, the mission passions, he doesn't have to stop learning in order to do mental. He can continue learning. That's what the mission says. And that says the Gemara, this halacha was only said, who was this Mishnah referring to? Somebody who doesn't have to interact his learning in order to daven. Somebody who never interrupted his learning. My says by himself, people like us, it's because we interrupt our learning for other things as well, so we have no justification not to interrupt our learning for davening. And therefore, for us, it doesn't apply. If it, we, we're busy learning and time for davening comes, we have to interrupt our learning to daven. This din that a person is allowed to continue learning and doesn't have to stop to daven, that's only talking about Rav Shem So we, before we explain what he means, but first we see a certain hisyachsis. That even in the dar of the Tanayim, who was the Tana who was the Masmid? Who was the Tana who was considered the epitome of Hatzmada? The person who doesn't stop learning for anything is Rav Shem and therefore, this level that a person doesn't have to uh, stop to daven only applies to people like him. Obviously, we're referring to the period that Rambam Yechai spent in the Cape. In that period, he learned non-stop for 12 or 13 years, whatever it was. And imagine he got to that level of complete dedication to Torah. Nothing else. The only other person we find similar to that is Yaakov Avinu. Hazal Tera said for 14 years that he was hidden in chamber ever. The same thing. He remained in his seat. He didn't go out. The only time he lay down to sleep was when he came to, on his way to Haran after that, it says, He lay down that night. And Hazal said, which means for 14 years, he didn't move out of the base Medrash. He slept from the Shtanda. He never went to go down to lie down to sleep. So we're talking about extreme, extreme dedication to Torah, to the ultimate level. Now I said, that's the only example we find of such a thing. Now, what did Rabbi Shem Bayechai gain from that? Rabbi Shem Bayechai gained from that. The Gemara itself says. The Gemara says that Rabbi Shem Bayechai's father-in-law was Rabbi Shem Bayechai. Rabbi Shem Bayechai was a towering tan in his own right. Also a Makobu, he wrote Sifra Kabbalah, which we haven't told today. Also a, a major Kayach in the time. His father wasn't Yechai? His father, his father-in-law. His father-in-law, his father-in-law was a Pinchas And the Gemara says that before Rav went into the cave, anytime he asked the question, Rav Pinchas would give him 12 different answers. Right, Rav Pinchas was his senior, was his father-in-law, his more senior Talmud Chachim, so he knew more. He was a bigger... Wasn't his father-in-law the Amar? Now, says the Gemara, when he came out of the cave, so any question of Pinchas ben Yair asked, Rav Shreem ben Yechai could give him 24 answers. So I don't know exactly how, what the mathematics is of that, but it's not just 24 times a year before. He also now bec- was the one who was able to answer the questions that Rav Pinchas ben Yair answered, not the other way around. Now if we think about it for a second, Rav Pinchas ben Yair wasn't wasting time for 12 years. He was also sitting in learning. Right? So it wasn't that like he was doing nothing while Rav Shreem ben Yechai, so to speak, overtook him. He was sitting and learning like, a, like he sat and learned his whole life. He wasn't wasting time. And nevertheless, the difference between the way Rav Shimon Bar-Yechai learned, let's call it that extra dimension of Hasmada, made such a difference that it radically changed the level of the Talmud Chacham that Rav Shimon Bar-Yechai was. And like I said, this is something which is unique, even in the Dar of the Tanayim. 
If you're looking for an example of Hasmada in the Dara of Tanaim, oh, Rashbi, Rav Shemayachai, that was someone you can look at as being an abs- the, the extreme, the ultimate masmid. Now we come to a certain point to think about. Let's say it like this. The, we said before that normally a, a day when someone dies or a yard site has a certain degree of tsar, a, a certain amount of availus is in to fast. And if one thinks about it for a second, why is it like that? Why is it like it? Lemaise, the way Hashem creates the world is that people live and people die. And they don't disappear. When they die, they go out to Shemayim to get rewarded to whatever level of reward they're going to get. So what's the, what's the tsar that a person dies? What's the tsar that, that we... And we're not talking about when a person dies. We're saying every year we commemorate the yard that with a certain degree of tsar. What's the reason for that? Well, it's, not, it's not something unusual. So... What's the reason that we still have to commemorate something with a certain degree of tzai? And the answer is like this. The answer is, like the Vilna Gaon famously said before he died. The Vilna Gaon died when he was dying. He picked up his tzitzis. It's famous. And he said that in this world, for a few coins, you can buy something that you won't be able to buy in Olam above for all the money in the world. In this, in this world, a person can use his time to gain something that Lenetzach and will never gain later. And therefore, the tsar of dying isn't the fact that a person is going to a bad place. On the contrary, we're talking about a tzadik. He's going to go a much higher place. He's going to be rewarded. The tsar is that it's a pity for what he didn't manage to achieve. Whatever a person didn't manage to do here, so then there's a certain tsar that he's lost the opportunity to do more. When the Russia dies, it's a different kind of a tsar. When the Russia dies, we feel sorry for him. He's going to get punished. But when a tzaddik dies, on the contrary, he's getting a tremendous reward. But even within that reward, there's a certain, a certain feeling of tzaddik. He's lost his chance to get more. He's lost his chance to get more. Now, the Kiddush is like this. When is that felt? When is that tzaddik felt? When you could take a point out that a person could have done more, you could say, what a pity. Because of a mistake, because of a punishment, because of whatever it is, Pity. He lost the chance to do more. There's a certain element of tsar. Not of an avir. Not of an avir with the, 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 the rising stars of Klal Yisrael. They were the sons of Aaron who had the, the potential to be carrying the in one day, to become the leaders of Klal Yisrael. And they got killed because they did something wrong. It's a tremendous tsar. What a pity. They lost the chance to grow more. And who knows what they could have become. And Tamir Rabbi Akiva. Again, the... The world was full of terror when they were there. And they were killed young. They were killed tragically as a tsar. Because they did something wrong, admittedly. But, and had they not done that, who knows how much more they could have become. Now, we once mentioned here in the show in the past, the Maral says that could have been the Dawah Shurubot Mashiach. They could have been the Dawah Shurubot Mashiach. They could have been the Dawah Shurubot Mashiach. So there's a tsar. Even Moshe and Aaron. The Maisa, they died because they did something wrong. Had it not been for Mamie River, they would have come to Had it not been for Mamie River, the Moshe would have built the best in Migdash. I wouldn't have just served in the Mishkan. He would have been the king of the best in Migdash. They didn't achieve that. And therefore, their death is a certain tsar. It's a certain tsar that what, what they didn't manage to achieve. Yes, they achieved tremendously, more than any other human being. 
And yes, they get rewarded to levels we can't begin to imagine. But because when we think about their death, there's a certain tinge of sorrow. Chaval. If not for Mamma River, Moshe wouldn't have died now. He could have gone on and it could have been much greater. That's the one perspective on death. But you have a counter perspective also. And that's what the Pasuk says in, in Eshishchai, which according to Lama Fosh was talking about the, the, the Talmud Chachum. It gets all the Memchas in the Torah. The Eshishchai is much of Memchas, 48. So the Eshishchai is the one that gets all the Memchas, 48 in the Torah. And about him it says, he laughs on the day he dies. He laughs on his final day. A person who maximizes his ability in this world is going to be sad about. On the contrary, he's going to a place of reward and there's no regrets of what he didn't do. He did the most. If you're looking for a person to feel this perspective, to see this Nakuda, somebody that we can look at them and say, it's a simcha when they died. They did what they could in this world, and they're going on any to reward. We look at Hashem Yachai. Why? Because even in his door, he was looked up to as the biggest masmid. He didn't waste a second. He wasn't a battle for anything, and therefore he doesn't have a battle for Tfilah either. Oh, for somebody who, who learned and who grew, but there's always a certain cheshman, they could have done more, maybe they could have used, used their time to a higher, higher degree, or better degree. Maybe there's still a certain amount of time. If you're looking for somebody who we look at as that's the paradigm, that's the example of a person who is absolutely shakur in Torah, we look at Rashbi. And that's not just a vote of having such a day in the calendar. There's a reason why like whatever comes before Shavos. This is something to, to bear in mind before Shavos also. There's a reason like whatever comes before Shavos. And the reason is because the best preparation is for Kabbalah Satayra is to value time. The Seder Ayyam, Rabbeinu Machi, writes that the reason why the Chodif HaKabbalah Satayra is counting days is because the best preparation for Kabbalah Satayra learn to value time. Learn to value time. Because that's the commodity we have to use to learn Torah with. And therefore, we want, to, we want to appreciate the Torah, appreciate time. Count days. Because then you can think, how much can I use my time more effectively to learn more? And therefore, Part of the, the preparation for Shavuos is Tafka, the, the Simcha of Lagbaimeh. Part of the preparation for Shavuos is appreciating the Muslim of somebody who, who used time to that, the, the best degree we can find an example of. That's something to celebrate. That's something to celebrate. But this like the Somebody who can rejoice on the day he dies. There are no regrets about leaving the world because he left nothing undone. Right. Then there was an availus of a death which was tragic because it could have achieved much more. As opposed to summary, that it's only a simple. They achieved everything they could achieve. That's the first answer. Let's call it the more literature approach. Now, we can't not talk about like Boema without mentioning something a bit more connected to Teresa Nesta. So let's bring a second look in the Kodah. This is also something tremendous. We see Reb Shimon in the Gemara many times. We hold it through Shabbos, Reb Shimon, we heard about Mukta. In other sectors, we find, in any major Makhlaikis, on the fourth door of the Tanoim, we find Reb Shimon. He's always Reb Yossi. Reb Shimon is Reb Shimon. Right. Reb Shimon Yechai. He always Reb Yemeya, he always Reb Yehudi, he always Reb Yossi. Those were his 
contemporaries, and we find that the whole time he's arguing with them. Now, Zagmar and Erebin. And the Gemara sets up the halacha. The Gemara says, if you have a machlagus between Rabbi Yaisi and Rabbi Shimon, you pass him like Rabbi Yaisi. If you have a machlagus between Rabbi and Rabbi Shimon, you pass him like Rabbi Yehuda. And the Gemara is not sure if you have a machlagus between Rabbi and Rabbi Shimon, who you pass him like. So when it comes to Psak, right, we see that Rabbi Shimon was on the equal, so to speak, to the time of his time. And not only that, we normally won't pass him like Rabbi Shimon. There are times we do, but more, normally we don't pass him like Rabbi Shimon. As I said, and that's only because Shmuel holds like that. It's Machlokes Rav and Shmuel and Rabbi Yechonah. But when it's just Machlokes Tanai, the Derech Father rules without Vasna Kipshim. Now, the amazing thing, and when you, ha- when you when the Gemara records arguments, you know, the give and take of the argument between the Tanai, they consider him an equal. They argue with him like they argue with anybody. They argue with each other, they argue with Shimon. He wasn't, they didn't consider him different. They couldn't argue with him just like they argue with like any, like any other Machlokes. It comes to desire. And we see a different world. We see a different world. We see that the same Rabbi Yosef and Rabbi Yehuda consider themselves Tavinim of Rabbi Shimon. And they would never ever argue with the word of Shimon says in They came to ask, what's the chat? And what he says in the Makabla, it was different from Hasina. And the shine is, what happened? What happened? It's the same person. In the morning you can argue with him about chats in the Gemara and the Wasalach. And in the afternoon you suddenly Makabla. So I'll tell you, it's not the side, it's an important point. If I'd ask you, if you can think of a single goddle throughout the Darius of Kalisra, a single goddle that nobody argued with, you'd have a hard time. Besides the fact that Tanayim and Ramur, who, I mean the whole Gemara is arguments between each other, the Rishonim also. Tosal argued with Rashi, the Ramban argues with the Rambam, the Rai argues with the Rambam, the Rashi and the Ritva argue with each other. You look at Nachronim, everything's a Machlokis. As great as people were, they had contemporaries. They're equally great. We don't, who, if I ask you, can you think of a single character, a single person in Israel who we don't find anyone argued with him? You have a hard time thinking of it. I only know one person. I only know one person. No, I'm sorry. Well, I know one person. Ariza. We don't find anybody argued with Ariza. And the question is why? Ariza. No one argues with him. The Vilna God accepted everything he said, and the Baal Shem Tov accepted everything he said, and the Ramchal accepted everything he said, and the Ramam Ipan accepted everything he said. These were the Gdorim of the Dar after him. No one ever argued with Arizal. Why not? And the answer is because it wasn't what Arizal was saying on his own. What Arizal himself said that he was revealing what the Riyah and Novi told him from Mishimina Shemaim, and every God had accepted that. This isn't his opinion. This is what he was revealing what he got from Shemai. So what's it to argue about? Kachadim said that was what was given. If that's what was given, you can't argue about it. If there is a way of come with his own interpretations and his own explanations, then we can argue. You think like that, I think like this. The Torah is given to understand. You have your way of understanding, I have mine. In the next door of the Mukubarim, we have a fortune of Machlekasim. To try and explain what, what Arizal meant, so they all argue with each other. The next door of the Tamir of Arizal, they argue with each other about everything. He thinks this is what it means, this thinks that's what it means, explain like this, explain like that. And the Wakdala Ola, we're talking about the Vilnagan against the Rashash, against the Ramchal, they argue with each other a lot. But not what Arizal said, because Arizal didn't say anything of his own. He was recording, this is what I was told, and that's what it is. So what's it to argue about? It was, that, that's what it was given in Rashamai. Yeah, whatever happened, often he got it. But it was, uh, he, he was recording what he was told. He was learning to argue about.
Now, that's like I said, an amazing thing. The makam to argue in Torah is an understanding. And everyone can understand their way, and there's reason for makhlaikas. When something is given, and that's the way, there's nothing to argue about, because the way it's given is the way it's given. Rav Shimon Bayechai, as a Tana, just like everybody else, he came to understand and explain the, the halachas and how we learn them from the Pesukim, and he's entitled to his opinion, and other time entitled to theirs. And therefore they can argue with each other. This is your swara, this is my swara, we'll disagree. This is what you understood the because I understand the possible we'll disagree. When it comes to Zohar, it's the same thing. Rav Shimon wasn't saying his swaras. The same thing happened exactly. Eliyahu came to him in the cave and taught him the Zohar. This is what was named Samina Shemayim. So now, when it comes to Zohar, no one can argue with him because he's got the information. And if that's the case, what's there to argue about? Kachadim Samina Shemayim. What you can argue? And therefore, when Rav Shimon wants to come in the Chadish and Halacha in Svaro and how to explain a Pasuk, we can argue. You have your opinion, we'll have asked. When you come in to tell us what you were taught in the Shemayim, we accept. There's nothing to argue about. And if that's the case, that's, that's in second Chiddush, received by Lagboimah. I heard this from Rav Yaakov Hillel in these words. It's, it was the second kind of Kabbalah Satar. There was a, we were a couple of Torah in and that's a Torah which we learn, and the Torah said, Nigla, we know, and we teach, and we understand, and we argue about, and we try and understand, like we learn Gemara, or Halach, or any other Sophia. And really, the sister Torah were given to Moshe Rabbeinu also. It was Nimsar, Ishmi Pi, Ishmi Pi, Ish, down the Doris, until the door of Rabbi Akiva. The door of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva. The teacher, Rabbi Shema Yechai's Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva. When Rabbi Akiva died, so Nistam Tisritari. He didn't teach it, and no one knew it. And now, what happened was, Eliyahu and had to come back to teach somebody, because otherwise that Torah would have gotten lost. There was no one who knew it. Why didn't he teach it? It would have been lost. Now no one knew it. And therefore, in the door following Rabbi Akiva, so the Torah had to be taught again to somebody. Not from a person, because no one knew it. So Leonov, he comes down to teach Rav Shem Bayechai. Rav Shem Bayechai didn't teach it straight away. The Zohar says, only the day that he died, that was the day that he taught the, the, what he, what he was to, what, the, the whole picture of what he was showing in Hashemayim, what he was talking about Hashemayim, the day he shared with other people was the day he died. The whole conversation, yes. He's got different ideas and different concepts, but he only explained the whole picture. We put everything together, what we call the Idra Rabbah. I mean, Idra Zutta, when he puts everything together, which is what he was told years before, the day, like, like it says in the Zohar, on the day he died, that's when he was Bugadah that. Did he write Bishayah? If that's the case, the day, that day was had a get of Kabbalah Satara. Because we learned the Torah, we never knew. We knew it before. And it, I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu was taught this Messiah, but it got lost. And it had to be taught again. And if that's the case, there's a certain aspect of Kabbalah Satara to that day. There's a Chedek of the Torah we lost, and we got back again. And then... Well, this is, again, it's, a, it's part of the preparation for Shavuos. The, the, the reason to be simcha isn't just because Rashbi died. It's because that day happened, he happened to die, the Chidah says, but it's the the day he gave us the last Chalik of Torah which we didn't have. And that's the reason to be Misamech. The Chalik of Torah we lost, we got back again. And therefore... That's what I want to get to. And therefore, the, the simcha says the Chidah isn't just because he died. The simcha is the Shlemus HaTorah. Now we have every Chalik of Torah. That's the reason to celebrate. Now just to put the two things together. The Ma'isa, somebody had to be taught. 
that a door which should be lost the Chalik of Torah, the Hashem makes a promise to us. The Torah never gets forgotten. So if it, there was a door which lost it, it has to be given back to us again. So it had to be taught to somebody in that door. Why was Rabshim by Yechai chosen? Why was the Shem of Yechai chosen? That's what we said before. Because to be Zaychet, to be Mechabal Torah, is the person who's the biggest Yechai If Hashem had to choose somebody, who's the one who's going to be Zaychet to be the one to be Kabbal this time in Hashemayim? The person who shows the biggest Yechai. The person who shows the biggest Asmar, who tries the hardest. He's the one who's Zaychet. And therefore the two things come together. Dafka Rabshim by Yechai, who was, like we said, the Masmid Adar, the one who showed the ultimate dedication to Torah, he was the one who was chosen to be the one who was going to regard that Torah also. That's why he was the one who was given the schus, so to speak, to bring that that Torah back to Klai Yisrael again. That pasuk, he let Yishakach me pizara. Hashem Vayichai himself said it. That the reason he was there that, that Torah to be brought back to the world is because Hashem's promise it should never be forgotten from from Klai Yisrael. And therefore, if the chedek of Torah disappears, Hashem is to bring it back. They bring an uh, interesting remez. If you take the Sofi Tavis of the word of that pasuk, ki, yud, loy, alif, yishaka, ches, mipi, yud, zari, vav, it's oisis yachai. And uh, the pasuk says it won't be forgotten mipi, zari, from his children. It's talking about the son of yachai. That he was the one who would make sure that the Torah wouldn't be forgotten. And therefore that's the second aspect of the simcha. The one appreciation of somebody who so to speak, utilizes life to the maximum. There's no regrets when he dies because he did everything he could achieve. It's only a simcha. Of a life spent perfectly. And the second, for us it was a simcha. We got back a chalak of Torah, we lost. But the two are together. It's Dafka, the person who's the biggest Yogeba Torah. The one who puts in the most asmada, he's the one who's chosen in Hashemayim to be the one to be the Megadah Torah also. And together, these things are something... How are we going to spend Lagvayim? This is something we can learn from Lagvayim. It could be a chizak for us also. Okay.